Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. So, I'm excited about today because the word's going to unfold as I speak. Yes, Lord. So, Today I want to talk about a word, uh, a one single word, and the word is perseverance. And, and you know, and I don't think it's a really popular word. I don't think, I mean, when I said that, I didn't see Joe Jane get up and get real excited about it. But <laughs> perseverance is kind of like the word trial. You know, when I say, I'm going to talk about trials today, everybody's like, oh, this is going to be really good. <laughs> A humdinger. Okay. So I want you all to turn with me to Romans 5, verse 1 through 5. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, having peace justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our, our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations brings about perseverance, and perseverance proving character, and proving character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I want to read a, a post from, um, y'all know Jonathan Helser? He just had a post on Instagram, and I read it, and I'm like, yes, this is exactly what the Lord is saying for us right now. So let me read this. This is, uh, this happened actually this week in, in his life. And I think it's going to be very appropriate for what the Lord wants to say. He said, this week, it was like a movie. I made a last-minute trip to Philadelphia to see my nephew, Weston Wilson, who, after seven years in the minors, was called up to the majors. His first full game was rained out, so we all met for a family meal to celebrate. We just happened to go to the Italian restaurant from the Rocky movies. And I first saw Weston at the famous painting seen in those films. And as you know, Rocky is the ultimate underdog story. And as I hugged Weston, I realized this was better than a movie. This was a, a real-life underdog story. Weston was drafted in the 17th round, number 501 overall pick. He has endured seven grueling years in the minors and made 2,836 plate appearances. He braved a blood clot in his shoulder that could have derailed his career. He worked side jobs to stay afloat. He endured a year out of pro ball because of COVID and faced all other challenges this game throws at you. And now seven years later, He's crossed the threshold. 
in baseball history since 1876, 147 years, there have been a total of 20,467 MLB players. Weston has joined the very few that make it this far. If the story ended here, it would be epic. But little did we know that Weston would step up to the plate and launch a 429-foot home run in his first MLB appearance this week. Our family exploded in shouts and tears as we watched a story greater than we could dream unfold right before our eyes. So let's watch this. Come on! That's what I'm talking about. What a comeback. A friend of mine says that stories usually unfold something like this. Slowly, 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 and then suddenly. Weston, he said this to his nephew, Weston... I'm amazed at the baseball player you are, the home run you crushed, and all that suddenly happened this week. But what moves me even more than these things is the man that you have chosen to become in in that slow process of endurance. I will close with these words from another underdog. And this is a famous person that you all know. Rocky Balboa! (laughs) Crank it up, come on. Okay. This is Rocky Balboa. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. This is a real spiritual quote, just so you know. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care about how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward how much can you take and keep moving forward that's how winning is done now if you know what you're worth then go out and get what you're worth but you gotta be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that. And that ain't you. You're better than that. Rocky Balboa. 
You know, you know, it seems like at times when I speak on certain topics, not all the time, but just to accentuate the point that, yeah, you're, you're saying the right word, so not only are you going to speak on it, I just want you to experience it a little bit. And so um, this week, I have faced situations where I, I had to be willing to really put up with some irritating people, situations and circumstances, and not lose my temper and remain composed and not fly off the handle. Is that the only one? I mean, can anybody, you know, experience that where you're just like having to hold uh, your cool? Well, you know, that's growing in patience, which we, as, as we endure those situations, it's creating perseverance within you. It's putting some steel in your backbone. And, you know, this week, uh, you know, our AC unit needed repair because it wasn't cooling. So we called the company to come on out and work on it. And, you know, come out and work on it. You know, it's a $150 service call, which, you know, I was okay with that because I wanted to get fixed. And he came out, tested it. Yep, it's low on Freon. Uh, he said, oh, I just gave the, you know, the Freon to my other mechanic or other service guy. It's the old R22 Freon, you know, the old kind. And he said, yeah, he said, yours is low and it's going to need a topper. Going to need to, you know, fix it. Uh, so he says, I'm going to have to leave and, you know, I'll come back. Do you need to be here when I come back? No, you don't need to be there. So, um, so he said, okay, I'll, I'll just come back and, and um, fill her up. I said, great, fill her up. Now, the price of R222, whatever that old Freon, it's not cheap. It's pretty expensive. But you know what? It was worth it. And uh, so he basically, uh, he left. So I thought, great, we're going to get it fixed, get it filled up. So I get a call back. I'll get an email from the company saying that um, uh, we just wanted to let you know uh, that the owner of the company has decided that he doesn't want to work on your old unit because it's too old and it's leaking. And because of new uh, EPA regulations, uh, units that are leaking, you know, they're not going to repair which basically they said, you got to buy a new one. And so, and then, oh, by the way, we're still going to charge you the 150, even though we didn't do any work. And I went, what? The lid came off. And I, I, you know, it wasn't a pretty moment. It wasn't my best moment. I'm on the phone and I shared my heart in the most loving way. No, I didn't. <laughs> I just... I came unglued, and afterwards I thought, and then she says, and then about midway through our conversation, why are you so quiet? I said, I'm trying to calm myself down, so I just don't explode on the phone. But the reality was I didn't handle it well. But that moment uh, brought out, you know, revealed and brought an area to light in me that God is fashioning. He's proving he's shaping my character so then i said lord jesus i repent for that um that outburst of anger i got irritated i, I just repent 
And I ask the Lord for forgiveness. And when you, when you ask for forgiveness on a situation when something comes to the surface, you know, the good news is, is that he takes that because that's what he died for, right? He died for that. So he took it. He died for our sin. And then this great exchange takes place. He says, um, now I'm going to give you my righteousness. And that little transaction there, laying the axe to the bad root. You know, when you got bad fruit, you lay the axe to the root. Laying the axe to that is sowing seeds of, of, that are the potential fruit that God wants to see in our lives. Because he says, God is, is really looking out in your life. He's saying, do I see fruit in you? Do I see some fruit? He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be um, evident, that let there be evidence of the very virtue of Christ in our life. So the next day I'm flying out to a conference where I got up at 3.30 in the morning to catch a 6 a.m. flight, got on the flight, and the, and the uh, pilot gets on and says, well, we got a little uh, me- mechanical issue going on, and uh, I'm going to turn off the plane, and I'm going to turn it back on, and maybe it'll reset. And then it might, fix, it might fix the problem. So I'm like, okay. So he shuts down the plane. It's all boarded. We're all sitting there. And then he turns off the light in the plane. So everybody's like really quiet. There's no AC. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. And so we're sitting there. And and he turns everything back on. The AC comes on. Lights come on. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to tell you, it did not fix the problem. You're going to have to deep plane the plane right now. So deep plane, and then you had to get off. They had to get your luggage, which took two hours to get my luggage. My flight left at 6. My, re- my connecting flight or the next flight out was 8 p.m. I arrived in Denver, had my laid my head on the pillow at 3 a.m. So I went to the conference, came back. First flight going out was canceled. Okay, no problem. We rescheduled that. So we got your new plane. I said, great, we got a new plane. So... I get on that plane, canceled, got a new plane, delayed. I went through six planes. So I spent over 30 hours in the airport. And I'm here today. Thank the Lord I'm here. Amen. Got home last night at 1 o'clock, laid my head in the pillow, said, thank you, Jesus. But I want to tell you something. Something started happening in me when I got off the last flight here in Asheville. And I was walking down the long corridor. No one was in there because I didn't want them to hear my voice. I started singing. And I started thanking the Lord for all the challenges and difficulties that I went through. I started thanking him that he is developing strength within me and giving me a little chutzpah so that I'm not weak at knees, weak at heart, and not able to sustain pressures that come my way. So I started thanking the Lord. I started praising him. I started singing. I looked around. But I just got, I got happy. I thought, Lord... I'm excited about what you're producing in me at this moment. I'm not, yeah, considered all joy. I am like, 
excited that there is something deep in my heart that's given me the ability to keep pressing on for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I'm not blaming the airport. I'm not blaming the AC guy. I'm not blaming my neighbor. I'm not blaming anything. I'm just saying thank you, Lord, for the trial because it's developing something in my heart that is is basically going to tell me, you know what? The best days are ahead. The best days are ahead. And so in that, I, I really want to take a look at a few scriptures about perseverance and look at them. And then I, I want you to consider two main things that we have to hold out and then look at some principles to achieve endurance. Because, you know, there, there really is something about achieving it, getting the prize of what endurance has for you. So I want to look at um, Romans 5 again, if we could. Romans 5. Verse 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our inheritance by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult or rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice, we get joyful because of what the future holds for us. Do you guys know what is waiting for us? I, I don't even think we can fathom the beauty and, and, and just the words probably cannot even describe what we're going to experience in the glory of God's kingdom in heaven. It, it's going to be beyond words. And, and Paul goes, goes on to say, not only do we rejoice in this light, in this you know, in the future, but we also rejoice uh, in this, what this present world has to offer us. And so verse three, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that our tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proving character and proving character, hope. It's not about what the struggle is doing uh, or let me say it this way it's not about perseverance as an event that or a struggle that's going on that's what is the focus the focus of the troubles and challenges that we go through is what it's doing in you that's what's important what is doing in you and in that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance produces proven character so that's really what i want to talk about today character that has stood the test it's your character that matters it's not about what you know who you know it's about your character so verse 5 and Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So in essence, love is also a matter of character. And so what we're talking about today is forming the formation of your character, which is precious to the, to the Lord. So, all right. So we rejoice, we boast, 
we, we celebrate, we glory, we exalt in our tribulation because tribulation is the only thing, is the only thing that produces perseverance in you. So you got to realize, okay, if you want perseverance and you want to run the race set before you, you're going to have to embrace the, the trials, the challenges, and see them in a new light and see them in what it's doing in you and for you. So perseverance is what's developing in you a proven character. Um, I'm looking forward to the next, maybe, I'm looking forward to the next thing that breaks in, in, at, at the house because I'm going to get around too. I know it's going to come. I know something's going to happen that unfortunately is not going to work. It's going to break. And how I respond to it now, I'm trusting the Lord that my character towards it is going to be different. I'm not going to be given to irritability and to get angry and get upset and blow a fuse. So let's go on to a few other passages. Colossians 9, uh, excuse me, Colossians 1, 9 through 11. 1, 9 through 11. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of steadfastness, long-suffering, and patience joyously. You know, it's a wonderful thing to think that this is what God wants for us. He wants us to understand and be filled with the knowledge of his will when it comes to trials, difficulties, situations that are not what you planned. God loves you enough to allow those things to happen in your life. So you don't, as the scripture says, don't look at it as kind of like a strange thing, like God's mad at you or that you've missed it or that you're, you're not hitting the mark. No. Look at it from the perspective that it's God's will and plan for you to go through the struggle so that you might have a persevering, enduring heart. Because the scripture says, those that endure to the end shall be saved. So the reality is, is that I want you to kind of start getting a little bit excited about the trials that you're going through. I know, isn't it exciting? <laughs> it is. And, I've, I've, you know, honestly, maybe it's taken this long in my life to start realizing this, but this is really a, a, a V8 moment for me. I'm like, you know, I just woke up and smelled the coffee. I'm like, this is becoming a revelation that, is that there's something in me that's not going to quit. Even though when I get knocked down, 
Have any of you gotten knocked down before? Yeah, you get knocked down. And the reality is when you get knocked down, you know, Jesus is not concerned about how you got knocked down because he knows you're going to fail. He knows you're going to get some blows that's going to take the stuffing out of you. But you know what he's more concerned about? Is are you going to get back up? That's what he's looking at. Are you going to get back up? Are you going to get back up and ride on the horse? Because he's, you know, he's, on, he's coming on a horse. So are you going to stay on your horse when he comes on his horse? Because he's going to want to ride. So the reality is, is that it's about getting back up. So we got to understand knowing the knowledge and the will of God is that he allows these things to happen to create within you an inner fortitude and a character that can stand. Why? That you might walk worthy. When you're filled with the knowledge of God's will, it will affect the way that you live. And that is that you want to please him in all respects, bearing fruit every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I mean, this is a tremendous scripture. Do we have the scripture up? Good work. Increasing in the knowledge of God. You're going to walk in a manner. See, the, the, the problem that we have when we face trials, challenges, and difficulties, we walk in a manner that is not pleasing to the Lord. And that is how we perceive what is going on. You know, it's like Paul said to the um, Galatians, who's bewitched you? What did you read? What are you doing? How did you get off course? It's because the way that we think is the way that we walk. Do you understand that? If you're thinking is stinking, change your thinking. So you might walk straight. So the reality is change the way you think about challenges. We've got to look at it from his perspective. So the one thing to attain steadfastness and get, get some patience, it, that's, that's a good thing, getting steadfastness, long-suffering, and patience. But it's another thing to do it joyfully. Can you do it joyfully? I mean, what's that song? I got joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. You know, I mean, can you actually start getting some joy? Thank you. You almost got to laugh at the situation. I mean, just laugh at it. It's like, <laughs> this is so funny. I can't believe this is going. I can't believe I'm on six airplanes. I mean, it's hilarious. Spending over 30 hours in the airport. I'm like, <laughs> it's just like, Oh, but you got to laugh at it, loosen up, lighten up. So patience and endurance are marks of strength, and they're not marks of weakness. So I want to read um, 2 Timothy 4. 
This was probably the last epistle Paul wrote. And, and probably just very shortly before his execution by a Roman executioner. Uh, so he's writing to Timothy and he says in verse 9, Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has des- deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Right at the very end, right at the very end of Paul's life, his co-workers left him in prison. And, and what did his co-workers lack? Perseverance. They gave up. One loved the world more. He went back to the world. Others couldn't handle the heat in the kitchen, so they quit. Everybody left him except Luke. So endurance. So what marked Paul? Endurance. It wasn't a pretty fight, but he endured to the end. So Paul says this. I fought the good fight, even though it might not look pretty, but I fought the good fight. And I've finished the race. You know, what I like about Paul is that he can say so much in so few words. I mean, he's so succinct. It's not like he's trying to, you know, be flowery. And he's just like right to the point. So there's four suggestions that I want to give to you on how to achieve endurance. And the first one is that we really make a full, wholehearted commitment to Jesus Christ without any reservations. Are you in or are you out? Are you really committed to the Lord Jesus Christ through every situation? Have you said, sign me up, I'm on his team. So, you know, the way that we begin our Christian walk is really going to be the way in which we end it. So, book of Acts 11.23 says this. It speaks about Barnabas coming to a group of, he comes to a new uh, group of Christians in the city of Antioch in Syria. And it says, verse 23, and he came and he had seen the grace of God and he was glad. And he encouraged them, these new converts. He encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. Purpose of heart. I think this is a key phrase. You purpose in your heart, in your mind. You're going to stick in regardless how tough it is. And it doesn't matter uh, who does and who doesn't? Your friends don't, but you will. It might be that your family don't, but you will. You're going to purpose in your heart, and you're going to stick with God and stay on his team. You're going to be on the winning team. And it's hard. I, I mean, I know that there, there are even family members that, 
that don't walk with the Lord, but you're choosing to. And it's not an easy road. But you purpose in your heart, I'm going to follow him. And I'm not going to succumb to the pressures and the ways of my family or my friends. So you're going to purpose in your heart. So the second principle of endurance is this. I'd like you to read, this is probably, well, there's a lot of favorite verses that I have, but this is a good one. It's a humdinger. So 11, Hebrews eleven twenty seven is speaking about Moses. And you know, Moses grew up in Egypt. He was destined to inherit the throne when a son uh, of Pharaoh's, uh, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he had an education, wealth, he had everything. The guy had it all going for him. Everything the world could offer. And at the end of 40, he turned his back on it. And he fled from Egypt. And um, he never looked back. He spent 40 years in the desert taking care of the sheep. And, and I'm sure that was a test of his character. Leaving everything. Everything. I mean, he, he was like, you know, it was like growing up with Bill Gates as your dad, you know. I mean, he had everything. And, and all of a sudden, he just left it all and lived on the backside of the desert. And that was a test of his character. So it says in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, which I believe is the second, where the second secret is, is verse 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. I believe the essence of enduring is being able to see him for who he is in an invisible way. And you might be thinking, how is that? Well, what faculty or what enables us, what enables you to see into the unseen? What is the very uh, means by which you're able to unlock the mysteries and see into the unrealm, an unknown. The answer is faith. Because what does the scripture say about faith? Faith is what? The acceptance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith enables you to see into the unseen, into the invisible. It sees Faith enables you to believe and see it even though it hasn't yet manifested yet. It might not be fully known in the present, but by golly, in your heart, your eyes of faith are seeing it and you know it's getting ready to come. Elijah had eyes of faith into the unseen. He kept asking his servant, go back and see, do you see that little cloud? You see any rain clouds coming? Nope, nope, they're not coming. I know they are. I know the clouds are coming. Go back and look at it again. Comes back another time. Uh, boss, I don't see any rain clouds out there. Well, you know what? I see them. They're coming. Go back out again. Seven times it comes back after the seventh time. Hey, hey, boss, I see something out there. It's a cloud the size of someone's fist. That's a small cloud. Come on, that's a small cloud. But in that little small cloud, what did he see? He saw rain in a little cloud as big as your fist. He said, I see it. He said, 
saddle up, buddy. We're getting ready to ride. The rain is coming. And it sure did come. So faith is related to the unseen. And, and faith is the conviction and concerning things that are not seen. So if you're going to hold out with perseverance, the unseen world has got to be more real than the seen world. Your faith is what unlocks the realm of the kingdom, which is your inheritance, which is the glory of the Lord. Your faith has got to withstand and be true through the trials that you might persevere. And in that, you're able to unlock the realm of the Father's good pleasure for you. It's like faith is the key that goes into the hole that you unlock in the door and open up the door to the treasury of what God has for you. So you've got to have faith in believing in the end. So, all right, two more things about enduring, then we're done. Very simple. I've already mentioned the first two. Uh, commitment to the Lord with purpose of your heart. Write this down. Come on, write it down. Get it, get it down there. Secondly, keep your eye on the invisible. Have faith. So thirdly is very simple. If you fail, stay on the ground. No. Get up. Don't give up. Others have failed before. And, and you're looking at them. And, you know, one of the devil's little clever secrets or tricks is to say, uh, in your failure, you might as well give up. God's given up on you. You blew it. You know, you, you kind of like went over the line and really blew it. And it's over with. Don't believe him. He's an absolute liar. He is a liar and a thief. And I want to read with you two scriptures first or just one. I'll just do one. Psalm 37, verse 23 through 24. Psalms 37, verse 23 through 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his ways. Though he fall, do you understand that? God just said, a good man, his steps are ordered by the Lord. Is it possible that the ordered steps of the Lord, he knows that you're going to fall? He knows that you're going to trip. He says, though you fall, not like if you're going to fall, though you fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Woo! Have you ever fallen? Hey, can anybody like raise your hand? I'm going to raise my hand. I, I have fallen. You've got to remember that you're not utterly cast down. You're not utterly destroyed because the Lord has got your hand. He has got your hand. And, you know, you know how David knew that? Because, I mean, he fell terribly. He fallen tragically. He committed adultery. He procured the death of a man whose wife he had stolen. And yet 
God forgave him and restored David. So David said, even if you fall, don't give up. God will pick you up. And this is so encouraging. I used to declare one of my favorite verses is Micah 7, verses 7 through 8. Because, you know, there were seasons of, 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 of falling, stumbling uh, in, in my life over, over many, many years. You've, I've just done some stupid things. But you know what? I, I, there's a scripture that just is probably what held anchored me from not giving up and throwing in the towel. And it says this. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will arise. And though I dwell in darkness, he's going to be my light. Do you like saying that? I mean, to me, when I said that, it made me feel so good of knowing that my failures were not going to determine my future. That the Lord was going to take me by the hand and get me back up. So the question is not if you fall, because all of us at one time or another are going to fall. But what is most important is that, will you get back up again? So if you fall, just stretch out your hand, let the Lord pick you up, and don't give up. Because the Lord hasn't given up on you. Right? He hasn't. So that ought to put a little bit of a skip in your step. Woo! Hadn't given up on me. The last thing I want to say is last about this, uh, the four things is you got to remember the prize. Not all the issues of life, you know, are going to be settled in the here and now. <laughs> some of them are going to be in the future. So, but um, there are some things... Uh, well, I want to go back to Paul. You know, uh, he's, in, he's in jail in Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 through 8. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. I believe those three things all go together. So I believe if you're going to keep the faith, you have to fight the fight. And I believe the faith... Is a I believe faith is a fight. It's not like it's just, whoo, I'm going to believe and it's going to happen. No, it's a fight. you got to really get in there and fight. And I believe that you can't escape the fight and keep the faith. So if you're going to finish your course, you've got to fight the fight. Paul says, I've done all three of these things and I've finished the course. I fought the fight. I've kept the faith. And he said, now, I'm waiting for my prize. I'm waiting for my prize. And in the future, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on the day, on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see, Paul had been condemned to execution by a very, very, very unjust, unrighteous ruler the emperor Nero. And there was so much injustice in his trial. But he said, that isn't the last word. Nero is not going to get the last word on me, even though this is a crooked trial. 
It is cooked. The books are cooked in the beginning. And he knew it. So he said there's going to be another judgment day. And there's going to be a prize. It's going to be a prize giving to me. And the judge will be absolutely just. And I'll be the, it will be the Lord himself. And he's going to give me my prize. Uh, you know, for me, I, I, there's, I, you know, getting a prize is a big deal to me. You know, when you put a lot of hard effort into something and you, stuck, you stayed in there, it's wonderful getting a reward. I, I, am I the only one? No. I like to get a reward. <laughs> okay, good. All right. You guys are like, oh, I don't really care. Okay, great. So, you know, as you know, I I struggled with a learning disability when I was in school. And then I went to college. And I was on the six-year plan. And I dropped out two times. And after I was fishing on the boat, I was deep-sea fisherman for a couple years while I took a little vacation from school. And so I was did it for a living. I realized, if I keep doing this, as a living, I mean, you weren't making as much money because all these weekend warriors were coming in and they were gobbling up all the grouper on the rocks offshore. So you commercially, you weren't able to make a lot of money. You know, you know, it is Jack, you know, so it just so basically I knew, I knew long term. I wasn't going to, you know, I, I started dating. I started dating Eliza. I was like, "Woo, I can get married. Well, I won't have any money. So then so then I thought, OK, I know. I'll go back to school. But I went back with the school, I went back to school with the mindset, I'm going to get the prize. I'm going to finish this thing so I can get that degree. I'm going to get a degree, an undergraduate degree. And my GPA might not look really good, but I'm going to get my degree. And I'm going to get my prize because I hadn't looked pretty, but I fought the good fight in school. But I'm going to get my diploma. And finally, my last year in college, when which I was always flunking out, um, I got almost all straight A's my last semester. And I finished. I finished. I finished. And I got my diploma. And that was a big prize for me. But there's other things that are big prizes for you. Might not be a degree, but it might be something else. There's a prize that you're going to get by staying faithful and true and staying in there when the going gets tough. You're going to get a prize, and the Lord Jesus is going to meet you with it in his hand. And he's going to put a little crown, beautiful crown, with probably some beautiful stones in it, He's going to put a reef on your head. He's going to put a crown on your head. It's a crown of righteousness. And it's going to be a reward given to you for being a faithful servant while you were here on this earth serving the purposes of God. I have an inner, just, I have just, I just feel like that, that there is going to be continued test for our character and our loyalty in the days ahead. And I, I want you to come through because, you know, 
the trial tests you that you might be, that you might come out like pure gold. Test purifies you, and, 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 and when it's a little bit hot, the gold, all the impurities in your life are going to come to the surface, and the Lord's going to scoop them away. Because when He looks into your life, He looks, you know, you don't want to, uh, when someone that is a, a goldsmith, when he's making gold, you know when he knows that it's just perfect? You know when he knows when it's just right? When he can look into the liquid gold and he can see his reflection. All the impurities are out. So when the Lord looks into your gold, he wants to see his reflection in you. He wants to see his image in you. And that's the beauty of what trials do. It brings out the impurities just because he's developing your character. And and it's going to be proven, and you're going to be strong, and you're going to make it to the end. So, who is willing to join me in finishing the race and make it to the end? Who wants to make it to the end? Come on. There's no holdouts in here, is there? Has everybody got your hand up? I mean, if, if you don't, we get, let's just talk afterwards a little bit, because... I don't want any stragglers here. We're all going to make it to the end. And there's some here that might make it before us, which I'm sure they will be the cloud of witnesses cheering us on. Do you know there's, a, there's really a, a, there's a huge, massive crowd of witnesses that are cheering us on right now. It's like, let our eyes of faith unlock the unseen and see that there's a cloud of witnesses all around us cheering us on. And we're going, they're cheering us on. Come on now. You just don't know what's ahead. It is glorious. So come on. Pick up your pace a little bit. Don't, don't be straggling behind. And you're going to finish. And you're going to make it to the end. And you're going to have some chutzpah in you. And you're going to make it, and you're going to come through, and it's going to be okay. Amen? Amen. Amen.